My Seven Chakras, Episode 66. A person's health can be judged by which they take two at a time, pills or stairs. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, my Action Taker family? AJ here, and you are once again tuned to My 7 Chakras, your source for wisdom that will empower you, uplift you, and inspire you to shine through and achieve your dreams. So recently, I began a course on the chakras. You know, the chakra system is so vast and expansive that you can never stop learning. And this is really exciting. Now, in case you don't know, the chakras are energy centers. And just like revolving doors, you know, you see revolving doors at a departmental store or a shopping mall. These doors regulate the energy entering and leaving the body. Now, they are really important because they correspond to major nerve ganglia and regulate our most major bodily functions so in order to function properly your chakras need to be unblocked and open and today i want to share with you a test that will let you know how open each of your chakras is sounds exciting all you need to do to access that test is go to my seven chakras.com that's our website that's m-y-s-e-v-e-n-c-h-a-k-r-a-s.com slash test Right. So take the multiple choice test, which should take about 10 minutes. That's our website slash test and join the conversation at our Facebook group. And to access that, you got to go to the same website. That's my seven chakras.com slash tribe. That's our official Facebook group where all our action takers share ideas and share stories to support one another. So take the test, check out your results and join us on the website. All right, moving on. Today, I am stoked to bring you our featured guest, Paul Michaels. So, Paul, are you ready to inspire? Absolutely. Let's go. Awesome. Great. So, Paul is driven by curiosity and a passion for communicating ideas through visuals and words. He had a problem of a sedentary work life, expanding waistline and declining wellness. Solving this was a personal journey. Now his passion is to help others. So Paul, I've given our listeners a short intro, but tell us a little bit more about you. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm very excited to be able to share uh, great information with your audience and help people. So I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. So there's a quote that I kind of uh, happened upon that I I like to use uh, to explain me. And it's uh, John Milton, and it's the childhood shows the man as the morning shows the day. And I was a a curious soul as a kid. I would uh, be that kid who'd be dismantling the broken things in the house to try and figure out how they worked. And Mm -hmm. so my curiosity has really led me to explore uh, a wide variety of professions. Uh, I was an international fashion and beauty photographer uh, as a young man. I got into the film business and I took a deep dive into computers and creating software to entertain and educate. Um, So I've had kind of a broad 
a broad experience. And what I've learned is each of those experiences, uh, kind of like a video game, has given me a little superpower. You know, the things that I learned, the skills that I gained doing those things gives me a little superpower that I can bring over to the next thing I do and apply it. And uh, throughout all of that, you know, I've been applying the curiosity and, and really trying to sort of figure things out. I had a personal problem, as you mentioned, you know, like most people, uh, I work at the computer. I find it a very creative uh, platform and I love creating on it. Uh, the problem is that that it just uh, led to really bad uh, health issues and just wasn't being uh, positive other than just from a mental standpoint. And so there was a time when I started to say, you know, there's something wrong with this. And I started to take it apart, just like when I was a kid. And I mm-hmm. let my curiosity uh, guide me. So what I discovered, I totally transformed my life, my body and my health. And and I, I have to admit that I'm almost 52 years old now. Mm-hmm. And I weigh what I did when I was 19. And I would say that I'm probably in better overall condition and not to say that I wasn't when I was 19. But the changes I've made have completely transformed me physically and as a result have transformed the way I see my future. And, you know, this was not achieved by uh, many hours spent at the gym. Uh, It's actually how I learned to live synchronously. And that's something I'm sure we will uh, talk about uh, during this interview. So that's just a quick preview of me and uh, the crazy stuff that I've been up to. Well, thanks a lot for that super intro and living synchronously. That's what we're going to learn in today's show. But before that, Paul, since you are the special guest for today's episode, you have a golden opportunity, an opportunity to light a lamp of inspiration in our minds. So are you ready? Uh, I am certainly ready. Probably more ready than your audience is, but let's go. (laughs) What is your favorite inspirational quote? And give us one example of how you apply this quote to your everyday life. Certainly. I'm going to adapt a little because it was written many years ago and and it is uh, sexist in the way that it was written. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to change it a little bit. A person's health can be judged by which they take two at a time, pills or stairs. And that's Joan Walsh, uh, author. And I think this is so indicative of the time we live in and the things that I've discovered. So the way that uh, I've applied this, there's so many ways, but I'll just give a really quick example. Mm -hmm. I have a standing desk. Uh, It's actually a walking desk, but I have a standing desk uh, that I work at. And I had it set incorrectly. It was a little too high for my arms. And as a result, I was getting pain in the front of my shoulders. And uh, it was a very uncomfortable pain. It wasn't pain. It was kind of like a a tingling, a a very uncomfortable tingling. So I had two choices. I had a choice of taking an ibuprofen before bed so that it wouldn't wake me up. Or I had a choice of doing a series of yoga exercises before bed to stretch out my shoulders and make make sure that I wasn't woken up by the pain. Okay, so Mm -hmm. that is indicative of a lot of things that affect a lot of us. And I would say that 99% of the time I went for the the yoga exercises to stretch out my uh, shoulders and and make sure that I could sleep comfortably. There was the odd occasion where the pain was way too much and I took a pill. But that, I think, is indicative of how we approach life. And it's certainly something that I've learned. And we're going to see more uh, throughout this interview of the things that I've learned that, that eliminate the pills and bring in the stairs and various other things that make us healthy. Mm -hmm. So I love that you 
made a comparison between the pills and the stairs and listeners i'm sure that you face this decision every single day as well i know i do every time i get out of the metro station i think should i take the stairs or should i take the escalator and when i take the stairs i feel much better because it's a mini workout that i do within those 20 or 30 seconds i feel rejuvenated in the very small way but it feels better and paul i'm not sure if you've heard this but there was actually a case study done where they were analyzing why people don't take the stairs and what they found out is that people don't really have fun when they walk the stairs so what they did they on the stairs they put piano notes oh yeah right all throughout the stairs and people out of curiosity just to have fun just for the pleasure of it started climbing onto the stairs and as soon as they did that there was these notes that automatically came out of the speakers they felt much better and just for the fun of it everyone that particular day took the stairs nobody was using the lift uh, or the escalator everyone was on the stairs so it's about fun as well right health and fun absolutely and you know the other thing is we're very focused on immediate you know satisfaction immediate results yeah. and the truth of the matter is what i've discovered is by doing a little bit every day there's going to be a day where you really challenge yourself and you realize that everything you've done suddenly has just uh, blossomed and and brought you to a whole new level and so i think what you can do is is that level of fun so i like hiking i know that you live in a beautiful beautiful part of the world where hiking and going <laughs> out is just uh, an extraordinary thing so that gives a lot of people pleasure and and makes it fun and and so what you can do is when you look at those stairs and you go uh i don't want to do it think about that experience of going hiking and being better at it and being stronger at it and achieving what you can do understanding that just those stairs are a tiny building block towards getting you to that next level and you know it's it's a lot like a video game you know you learn one tiny skill at a time how to jump uh how to spin and that gets applied again and again and so taking these little things that you do in your day and and taking the challenge and doing them will then you know be that level up or that that superpower that you get that that allows you to go to the next level on the big thing and so i think that's a very good lesson to learn mhm so there you go action takers a little bit every day it doesn't have to be a huge chunk because when we see these huge goals in front of us sometimes we might get overwhelmed but the key is to lay just one small brick every day day by day and soon you'll find yourself a palace right in front of you and my question to you is what is that one step that you are taking today so paul what inspired you to start life hacker diet well you know i i <laughs> i would love to say and and you know our media really <laughs> wants people to have aha moments you know that sudden moment in time where the the light bulb goes off and the truth yeah. of the matter is most great inventions if you look back at history are are not a light bulb moment it's a slow burn and so uh the slow burn for me at first was just you know approaching 50 years old I always saw myself as being an active person and you know having an okay body and being in shape and all this sort of stuff and as you approach 50 you kind of start thinking about life and you know what's next and all that sort of stuff and I just got to the point where it's like th- this has got to stop I mean I'd work 
seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day sitting at my desk. And I'm a work at home father of three. So I would run around and get the kids to all the things they needed to do, make dinner, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was never time for me. And um, I feel ashamed to to admit this, but we actually have a completely modern, beautiful YMCA, which is a two minute walk from my house. In fact, if I <laughs> if my arm was better, I could probably throw a rock and 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 hit the wall uh, of this place. And so I didn't have any excuse not to go up there and exercise. I mean, it just it's like, you know, you might as well just put my house in the YMCA. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is that because I said I'm going to go work out today at 5 p.m. or 8 p.m. or I'm going to go work out today at 9 a.m. and I'd be, you know, working away and something work-wise would come up and I'd go, I'll I'll do it later or I'll do it tomorrow. Uh, Or something with the kids would happen and I'd have to run off and do that. And by setting a specific point in time that I would exercise, I could push that. I could make it go away. I could say I will do it another day. And that was, that's the big mistake. That's what catches everybody up. And so what I started to do is, you know, the exercising wasn't happening. I was 35 pounds overweight. I have chronic back issues. All this sort of stuff was piling up. And it wasn't an aha moment. It was just like, oh, my God, I got to do something. So I, you know, being a guy, I bought a piece of hardware. I bought a Fitbit. (laughs) (laughs) And I started doing what I do in my day. And uh, realizing the certain things added up to more steps and certain things would would do this and do that. And so I started getting curious and experimenting. And so it was a slow burn realizing that everything I did in my day had an effect. And, And this is the most important thing that I can pass on to your audience You have to understand, first of all, in the universe, nothing is created nor destroyed. And everything you do in your day Mm -hmm. matters. And so when, you know, when you were talking about taking the steps or taking the escalator, although it seems very trivial, it is not. Mm -hmm. Because by taking those steps, you are improving yourself that little bit. So what I found is through my experimentation in six months... I lost 30 pounds and I walked a thousand miles without changing anything in my life. Basically, what I did is I changed how I did things, not what I did. I still worked at my computer eight, nine, 10, 11 hours a day. I still did the grocery shopping. I still did this. I still did that. But I understood that everything I do in my day needs to help me reach my goal. Mm-hmm. What you need to do as a person, I'm probably skipping ahead here, but it, it kind of it, it's a segue in. You need to have an intention for your life. You need to have an intention that you live by or a goal. And when I realized that I could do that, I could set an intention. I said I wanted to lose weight and regain my wellness. That was my intention. That was my goal. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I realized that everything I did could affect that goal, that intention. And when I realized that, suddenly there's no choice. There is no escalator. There are only steps. (laughs) There's no driving here. I got to walk. You suddenly start to see things in a different way. And it 
you know, instead of being actions of, oh, should I do this or should I do that? Should I take the elevator? Should I take the stairs? It becomes an algorithm, right? Because Mm -hmm. your brain starts to process these things and you realize, oh, I need to take the steps. I need to take this. I need to do that. And it becomes an algorithm that you don't even think about anymore. So a very quick story. I was doing a tour. I have a second child. So I have one child that's at UBC in Canada. I have a second child that is is about to go to school. We're not sure where. And we're doing college tours. And I was doing a college Mm -hmm. tour in Montreal at Concordia University. And Concordia University is basically in high-rise buildings downtown. Mm -hmm. So I was chatting with one of the fathers, a lovely gentleman, a little overweight, and I was telling what I did. He told me what he did. We had to go up to the 10th floor. Mm -hmm. And so everybody piled in an elevator and I had already told him what I did. And he kind of looked at me and I said, oh, no, I'm going to take the stairs. Mm -hmm. And he took the stairs with me. Okay. He was huffing and puffing by the top. And I think his wife was a little worried about him when he, when he got there. But he <laughs> he suddenly understood that he had a choice. He didn't know he had a choice before that. And I basically said to him, you know, everything you do, every little choice you make makes a difference. And the fact that he walked those 10 stairs with me or 10 flights with me, that clicked and that made a difference in his life. And it made him a step closer to being healthy. So if you have an intention, if you have a goal and you are open to it, all of these actions become natural and it just becomes a part of your day and it becomes a part of who you are and you will see results. It's amazing. I like to tell this story because uh, it's very indicative of, of the benefits of this. So one of the things I discovered, and it's not necessarily right for everybody, but I think it's right for 98% of the people out there, is that I looked at how I worked. Uh, I work on a computer. I do Photoshop. I do writing. I do podcasting. I do video editing. And I had to figure out a way to make that active. So I did a little research online, of course, and I came up with a DIY walking desk. And it's very inexpensive. It's very simple. And I basically, it's a very small treadmill that goes under my desk and I'm standing. And at the beginning, I would walk three or four miles, maybe five miles a day uh, while I worked. It's an amazing thing. I I could go in for hours on the benefits of it. But anyway, it's an amazing thing. Uh, It changes the way you work, changes the way you think. You don't get tired anymore. You're always creative. It's, It's incredible. But Uh, After having done that for about a year, year and a half, I went on another college tour uh, with my Mm -hmm. son uh, to UBC, and we went to the chief in Squamish. And uh, the chief is uh, apparently the second largest uh, granite dome in the world. And it is, I believe, about 2,700 feet uh, vertical uh, height. And um, so my, my niece had said, let's go on a hike. And I said, sure, let's go on a hike. I didn't know that in Vancouver, everything was vertical. I thought there would be some <laughs> horizontal. But anyway, I, I, here I am on this hike up the Chief, which is a, an extraordinary hike. And it's extraordinarily difficult. And uh, my heart was thumping in my ears. I was hot and cold at the same time. My thighs were on fire. I felt like I was uh, like a mosquito just about to explode, you know, stuck in somebody's vein and just about to explode with blood everywhere because it was just it was so hard. And, you know, once I got over myself and I looked around, I realized that I was walking in between my 20 year old niece Mm -hmm. who was in very good shape. 
and my 18 year old son who who's on the track team and the soccer team. And I was walking in between them. They were working as hard as I was. I was just about to turn 50 mm-hmm. and I basically stayed up with them walking or hiking the chief. And that is as a result of simply walking at that time, five or so miles a day on my treadmill desk at 1.5 miles an hour, which is barely perceptible, everything counts. And it built in me this huge reservoir of strength and ability uh, that I didn't know I had. Just to add to that story, I'm at the top. I'm proud of myself. This older gentleman comes hopping up and I'm starting to brag to him that I'm just about to turn 50 and I could do this. And he said, oh, that's great. And I said, where do you live or where are you from? And he said, oh, I'm, I live down in the valley and I hike the, the chief on weekends for fresh air. And I went, OK. I said, how old are you? He said, 67. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was a slap down. And, you know, you are what you do. And by taking the stairs, by making these little changes that become an algorithm, that become part of your life, you reinvent your body. You reinvent what you're capable of doing. And that was when it clicked for me. And I just, I realized what this is all about. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the slow burn where you were living and living and living. But then you got to a point where you said, you know what, no more. This has got to stop. And you needed some more time, some me time, as you mentioned. And I can totally relate. You were living really close to the YMCA, which is about two minutes away. I live close to the YMCA as well. But sometimes we say things and then that's that, that leads to some time because things always pile up. Things always come into the to-do list. And as they say, the road of some time leads to a town called <laughs> nowhere. And unfortunately, you didn't get the required exercise. But then, then what happened is you took action and as a result of that action, you lost 30 pounds in six months and you walked not 200, not 500, but you walked 1,000 miles. Now, going a couple of steps back, I know that you teach people to live synchronously. What does it actually mean to live synchronously for our audience? Certainly. So the way I used to live was asynchronously. So that would be mm-hmm. either I was working or I was going to the gym. Got it. Either I was out grocery shopping, or I was exercising. Either I was commuting to a meeting I had to do in town, or I was exercising. And what I realized was, you know, as I've said, everything you do adds to your benefit to your health. And so I started taking those two things, the exercise and the shopping, the exercise and the working, the exercise and the commuting. And I started bringing those into synchronization. Now, I'm I'm not somebody who says we should multitask. You know, the modern form of multitasking that I see people doing, you know, they're they're working on their computer while they watch TV. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to get done. That's bad multitasking. But working on the computer and walking 1.5 miles an hour on a treadmill while you're walking, I don't even know that my legs are moving. I have I'm not even aware of them and I'm focused on my work. That is a synchronous living and synchronicity that that is two things that i brought together that complement each other and don't take away from each other mm-hmm. so the other thing is i do the grocery shopping for the family you know i hate doing it well i don't really because i can put a podcast on and listen to a podcast but it's not one of my favorite things to do but when i realized that there are ways that i can get i can double the amount of calories that i burn while i shop by 
parking at the far end of the parking lot by, you know, being organized, but not too organized. So I end up having to go from one side of the store to the other by maybe splitting up some of the things I buy and buying them at another store that I have to walk to just for the exercise by using reusable bags, uh, cloth bags, so that I can use those as, as barbells when I put them into the car or Mm -hmm. whatever, by doing all those things, I've just doubled the number of calories that I burned going grocery shopping. So I've taken something that was like a wasted thing. It's like, oh, I got to go grocery shopping to, hey, I got my grocery shopping workout to do. Excellent. Let's see what I can do today. By commuting, you know, most people commute either by public transport or they drive. Well, there, there are a wealth of opportunities there to basically hack that. So if you're going by subway, whether it's bus, trolley or train, why don't you walk a couple of stops at the beginning of one leg of your journey and at the le- uh, at the end of the leg of the journey. So rather than sit around or stand around or wait for a bus or a tr- mm-hmm. train, walk. And I'm sure, you know, it might take a little extra time, but it also might be faster some days too. Yeah. But if you do that, you know, even if it's a mile, mile and a half, two miles a day, or even per leg, you've just, you that adds up. That adds, So let's take one mile, one mile each way. So two miles. So two miles a week, or doing it two miles a day per per week, per work week, is 10 miles. Yep. Doing that times 365, it adds up, and it becomes tens of thousands of miles. And, and just to give you an idea, last year, I walked 3,500 miles. Mm-hmm. Okay? That was not at the gym. That was not running a marathon. That was working, walking the dogs, doing my chores, that's what I did. So in the three years since I've started doing this, I've walked 8,500 miles. Okay. Wonderful. So it adds up. Every little thing adds up. And so when you live synchronously, you're figuring out, again, it's that algorithm working. You know, you, you understand you've got to make these changes. You, you've got your intention of I need to get healthy. And I know by moving and doing things, I, I can be healthy. You, you put those things into the program and you run it. And suddenly everything becomes an opportunity for exercise. Everything becomes an opportunity to move. And that's what I mean by living synchronously. You find exercise in everything. And, and that's when it all changes. So you mentioned that you had a very siloed approach to staying fit where activities such as shopping, meetings and working were separate from actually working out. And then you came out with a very systematic and a creative way that changed the way you looked at staying healthy and fit. Now, they say that you are what you eat and I live by myself. And one of the challenges I'm currently facing is preparing a home cooked meal on a consistent basis. I find it hard to come up with creative or innovative ideas to save time and make some healthy food at home. Do you have a simple approach to maybe reinventing the food that we love? I absolutely funny. You should mention that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So again, the algorithm, we're, we're taking these ideas and the intention, like most people, you know, I get hungry during the day and I'd want a snack. And so I would take out a uh, tub of guacamole and I would take a bag of chips and I'd sit at the table and I would dip the chips into the guacamole and eat. And I would stop when I felt full. Now it takes about 20 minutes for the food that you're consuming to go down and hit the, the, I think it's the vagus nerve in your stomach that says, okay, we're done. We're, you know, stop. We're fine. Um, so that means every time I had a snack, 
I was basically eating 20 minutes worth of calories that I didn't need. All right. So there are two things. Whenever somebody comes to me and says, I want to make a change, there are two things I say. First thing is quit the gym. Second thing is continue eating what you like to eat. Okay. I think we've gone over the quit the gym. And the reason for that is find exercise in everything you do all day, every day. The second part is continue eating what you're going to eat because the truth of the matter is as human beings, uh, we're not going to take well to somebody telling us what to eat. So, you know, diets uh, where they basically, you know, take away everything you eat and place food in front of you, there's proof that those are do not have lasting effects. What does have lasting effect is looking at the scenario of the guacamole and chips. Okay, so the first thing I did was I said, okay, this is crazy. I've got an open bag, open bucket of guacamole. This is dangerous. I got to stop. So I took out a certain amount of guacamole. So whether it be 100 calories, 150 calories worth of guacamole, I put it into a container. I closed the container. I put it in the fridge. I go get my chips. I count out a number of chips. That's what, 150 calories. And I put the bag of chips away. Now, this sounds like torture, I know, <laughs> but, and you've got to do this over time. You basically start reducing the amount. But the other thing is uh, I have, I call this bento boxing. So I'm basically bento boxing my food. I'm giving myself a reasonable amount of food that uh, should satisfy me. And I'm putting it in a bento box so I can't go and eat more. The other thing is I stated the fact that it takes about 20 minutes for your vagus nerve to get to your brain and say, we've got enough. So what I do now is I bento boxed, I controlled the amount of calories. So I, I have it on my website, but basically I think I was eating about five, six, 600 calories of guac and chips. And I immediately took it down to about uh, two, 300. Okay. By bento boxing it. And then what you do is you eat mindfully. So a lot of people will sit on their phones and like check the latest news while they're eating or something like that. That's fine once you understand all this and, and you've reprogrammed yourself. But at first, I want you to just just sit there and just enjoy the guacamole and chips, feel them, taste them. It's, it's almost a form of meditation. And just take your time eating them and enjoy it. You know, um, one of the things I tell people is if you're going to eat almonds, you know, a lot of people put a bunch of almonds in their hand and they just, you know, sock it into their mouth and chew the almonds. Well, that's disaster, right? Eat one almond at a time. Enjoy it. Taste it. Feel it. And so once you start doing that, first of all, you're, you're in tune with what you're eating because you're actually sensing it. You know, you're tasting it. You're feeling it. And because you've bento boxed it, you know you have a certain amount. So all of that works towards you finishing that amount of snack and you go, ah, that was nice. Not completely full yet, but let me go back to work. Let me go do something else and get my mind off it. And you'll find within 10 minutes or so, you feel fine. You know, there, there isn't that hunger anymore. So by simply controlling your portions and being mindful and being present while you eat, you retrain your body. And so what I did is I went one step further and I, I, I call it auditioning. So I audition other pieces of food. So I looked at my guacamole and chips and I said, the guac staying, the chips I can get rid of. So I basically started auditioning uh, carrot sticks, celery, uh, sugar snap peas, mini sweet peppers, and I'd use those instead of the chips. And I found a whole bunch of alternatives that I loved. And I actually, I, I don't even think about the chips anymore. And so I took this snack, which was five, 600 calories, and now it's 150 calories. And I'm totally satisfied. Love it. Happy as can be. And 
I, I'm not answering your, your question directly of what meals you should make. But the issue is that that you can very simply look at what you do eat and make small changes. And this is over time. Don't start immediately by you know controlling how little you eat. Just a little bit less at a time, a little bit less of a time eating mindfully. And you will find that very quickly you kind of reinvent what you expect of that. And it becomes your new favorite food. So I'm not going to tell you what to eat. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you the algorithm for how to eat because you're going to discover on your own what makes you feel satisfied. And, and that's the important thing. And uh, taking those principles into account, you will discover how you can eat and lose weight. And that's, you know, there are two ways you can lose weight, exercise and fewer calories. And those are the, you know, finding exercise in everything you do and learning to uh, bento box and enjoy your food are really the two cores from both sides of the equation that help you really master this. Mm-hmm. So thanks a lot for sharing that wonderful bento box technique and also emphasizing the importance of experimentation with your food. And it was surprising to note that when you exchange the chips for the carrots and the more healthy vegetables, the calories almost you know, halved in size. Now, Paul, on the show, we're all about taking action towards our goals, taking small steps, but never leaving the sight of a goal without taking action. So if you could recommend one health tip for our listeners to try out today, what would it be? I think a lot of hardworking people enjoy drinking soda. And, you know, whether it's sugared soda or a diet soda, Sugar soda is loaded with calories and sugar. Diet soda is loaded with God knows what. <laughs> They're changing the formulas all the time because they find that it's bad for us. So you know what? It's just not good for you. So again, my approach is going cold turkey isn't going to work. So let, let just don't even bother with that. So let's look at this logically. Let's create you know some some code that becomes an algorithm and and so there's a very simple approach first thing you do is you set a goal all right in the next month i'm going to wean myself off of soda okay so you've set a goal now you you plug that into the code and you start going okay everything i do has to work towards that goal so the first thing you do is you buy your favorite soda okay and then you also buy one more thing alongside of that, and that is just plain soda water, okay? And what I want you to do is over, uh, and you can set up a schedule or you could just set it up in your mind, but over a week, I want you to do the following. Open your soda, drink one quarter of it straight. So you're, you know, you're doing the good old thing of drinking soda. And then I want you to open the soda water and I want you to refill the soda bottle with one quarter soda water, okay? So now what we're doing is we're basically cutting down the number of calories, the number of chemicals, the your reliance on sweetness, because one of the things uh, both uh, sugared sodas and artificial sweetener sodas do is they amp up your perception of uh, sugar. So the result of that is when you have something that is sweet, uh, but not too sweet, not oversweetened or hypersweetened, it doesn't taste sweet enough. Okay, so an example of that would be people who put sugar on strawberries, you know. So we want to do a couple of things. We want to reduce your reliance on the sensation of sweetness and bring it back down to a reasonable level. So we start the first week, we start going one quarter soda water, 
three quarters soda. And again, I, I want you to be a little mindful and just not torture yourself, but understand that this is your new reality, that it's not quite as sweet as it was before, right? And just chill, just enjoy it, enjoy the bubbles, enjoy those, you know, enjoy the sensations that you enjoy about soda. And just come to the realization over the week that this is my new reality. I'm working towards my goal. Next week, you then take it and you have it. So you need a second soda bottle for this, but basically you pour out half the soda into an empty bottle, and then you take your soda water and you fill both bottles, half soda water, half soda. And again, you enjoy the things about the soda that you enjoy. The sweetness is going to be half as much, and you've already taken yourself down to a quarter or three quarters the sweetness or one quarter less, and just get used to it. Don't torture yourself. This is my new reality. It's okay. I don't need to panic, and do that for a week, and then I bet you can guess what the next week is. That's right. One quarter soda, three quarters soda water, and basically you wean yourself down off of that, okay, and your sweetness gets reset. You don't torture yourself. And then once you've done that, what I did, and you can decide to do this uh, or you can skip to the other step. But what I did is I made my own and you can get soda water. You can get a soda maker. Uh, there, there are lots of options. But basically what you do is you find a, a what I call a syrup. It's not a syrup, but a sweetener. So I, I loved it was cranberry juice or uh, pomegranate juice that I would buy nothing else in it. It was from Russia. It was great. It was inexpensive. And I put just like half an inch in my bottle and then I'd fill the rest with soda water. And so I would get the sweetness. I'd get the bubbles. Um, but I was getting myself off of soda and soda and uh, diet soda and sugared soda. Yes, it's something sweet, but I can tell you an inch or half an inch of any of those juices with soda water is not very sweet. Enjoy that. Then what you need to do is do that for a week or two or three. I did it for a couple of months until I realized or discovered infused waters. And infused water is a very simple thing. Uh, you take a mason jar, uh, you put water in it, and you put uh, pieces of fruit. There, you know, in the summer, putting a couple of chunks of watermelon in there is wonderful. Just lemon. I mean, you can look online. Uh, I have a, a, a whole a page about this, so you can check it out later uh, on my site, How to Quit Soda. There's as broad as your imagination wants to be, what you can put in the water. What I discovered, I what I like about the soda is I love the bubbles. I love that sharpness. And so I found a replacement, and that was a very strong ginger tea bag. And it's just ginger tea, and it's just ginger in there. And so I brew every morning. I have It's like a factory. I have like three, three mason jars, and I brew the tea. And I add two slices of lemon in there and I mix it up and I chill it. And there's no sugar involved. The, the tea is just basically ginger, but it has a kick. And I, I love ginger. I love the kick. But what I found was that that sensation of the kick replaced the need to have the bubbles. It replaced the need for the sweetness. And I'm totally addicted. Probably not a great thing, but I'm totally addicted to my, my ginger and lemon waters. But now I'm not consuming any calories. There was just a study I heard on the radio that uh, the carbon, the soda carbonate, there's a chemical in there that's actually bad for your teeth now. So soda water is not so great. So now I'm just, I'm drinking water and I drink about 
uh, eight to 10 cups of water a day happily because I've got these, you know, I've got a, a toolbox of things that I love the flavor of that take place of the soda. So it's a simple process. It's a process of mindfulness and it's a process of just slowly weaning yourself off and then finding things that have positive aspects to your life. No sugar, no artificial things that satisfy what your needs are and, and get to the root of what you really want. And that's what you do. So uh, a long, a long answer, but that's the way you do it. And I've got, uh, I've got a whole blog post on it and video and stuff, but absolutely, that would be amazing for people to do. I'd love to hear how they do with it too. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that powerful tip on how to gradually step-by-step step, eliminate this conventional soda from your life by replacing it with other stuff that might have that tinge, that special taste that you're looking forward to, but at the same time, that is healthy. Now, adversity has the effect of eliciting talents which in prosperous circumstances would have lain dormant. Now, this was a quote shared by Horace over 2000 years back. And this round is all about learning from moments of adversity, stories of challenge and gaining life lessons. So, Paul, take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge. Tell us what you were feeling at that instant and then how did you overcome it? It might seem a little uh, a little light. I'm a whitewater kayaker. Uh, I did it as a kid at school and didn't do it for about 20 years. And then I had my, my kids and my boys were very interested. So I started it up again. So I'm not very good at it, <laughs> but I, I do it regardless. And my sons are very good at it. So uh, we often in the summers, we go whitewater kayaking. So until recently, I uh, and I've, I've been kind of pushed by them. So I used to go on the baby rivers and they wanted to go on the big river. So it's a class four, uh, three, four plus river. And so I've kind of weaned myself off the baby river and got into the big one. The end result is I end up swimming a lot. And, um, you know, it's not fun. It can be very scary. And I love it. But my heart is pumping in my ears at the same time. And I'm scared witless, but I love it. <laughs> anyway, so I've been doing this for many years with the kids. And uh, last year, there was a gentleman and he's like a, a kayak priest. I don't know the way he handled me. He watched me for a while and he said, can I give you some advice on how to paddle? And it's like, well, I've been paddling for like 10, 15 years. What advice are you going to give me? And you know, I was open to it. So he said, what I want you to do is instead of always trying to control the river, so I would paddle like crazy trying to hit a certain point or go to this point so that I wouldn't end up flipping and, and not being able to roll up and, and almost die. And he said, instead of paddling like crazy to try and control the river, what I want you to do is not paddle at all. In fact, only paddle if you absolutely have to. And it was like, are you serious? And he said, watch, watch your kids. See how many times they paddle when they go through, a, you know, the, the dragon's tooth uh, rapid, which is the one that kills me every time. And I watched and it's like, oh, my God, they don't paddle at all. Like they barely put the paddle in. So I tried it and I was scared. But I quickly found that I became instantly I became a better paddler and I was calmer and I swam less because I was I was calm about it. And to me, it was a real life lesson, you know, that instead of always trying to 
muscle your way through things and always trying to try and control things, which you don't end up doing. You just need to to relax. Just follow the river where it takes you. And if it looks like you're going to hit a rock and, and, you know, it's not good, paddle a little bit, but don't, don't work so hard. (laughs) And I said at the beginning, I felt feels trivial, but to me, that was a huge life lesson. And I learned from that, that, that I could apply to everything in my life is to just kind of go with the flow and exert myself when I absolutely have to, but not all the time. And I think that was that was just something that was very meaningful for me. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot for bringing up the importance of really going with the flow and taking the time to relax. And what I also noted through your story is the importance of uh, seeking help or reaching out. Because listeners, at the end of the day, we ourselves, if we keep struggling, we only can get so far. But by seeking out a mentor or a coach or somebody from Uh, who has been there and done that, we get that additional perspective that can really kickstart our journey and speed it up, so to speak. Uh, And with that, the next round is all about a story, but a different story, a story about what happened after courageously fighting, facing challenges, or overcoming some sort of an adversity. This round is about finding your life's true calling. Now, to get us into that space, I'm going to share a quote by John Stuart Mill, who said, one person with a belief is equal to a force of 99 who have only interests. So my question to you, Paul, is have you found your life's calling? If yes, what is your life's calling? (laughs) This is the toughest question. I think I have found the direction of my life's calling. And the direction of my life's calling is to take the results of my curiosity. You know, I read a lot. I I keep up to date with what's going on. I'm interested in science and, and computers and all that sort of stuff. And I find that I'm always able to kind of tease people with a piece of information that they didn't know. And so I guess in a way I'm a teacher. And, you know, for me, the the health issue uh, and understanding that getting healthy is very simple. The hard part is learning to apply it to your life is a perfect platform for me to use my curiosity and my my hopefully gaining skills of being able to teach that and you know my real secret my real secret sauce is teaching people ways to apply it to their lives and and help them discover how to apply it to their lives because uh telling somebody to do something is very often does not work and so i'm learning that teaching by helping people discover these things for themselves and how they can apply it to their lives is important so yes I believe, I don't think I had a choice (laughs) in my life's work, which is uh, being curious and and wanting to educate other people with what I've learned. And I'm just thrilled that I've found something that uh, I see differently than everybody else. And, you know, a a way in which I can really make a difference in people's lives and make them healthier and happier. Mm -hmm. So going back in time, was there a magic moment when you said to yourself, this might be just the direction that I'd like to head toward? Certainly with uh, the Lifehacker Diet and what I've discovered there, the learning and and the curiosity and teaching thing has just been there all my life. And, you know, I probably obnoxiously apply it every day (laughs) to people. But, uh, yeah, you know, when I when I discovered the changes 
again, I just said it. The answer to being healthy is very simple. The hard part is applying it. And when I discovered how simple it was and and I took my example of how I applied it, I felt like a kid who had found out a huge secret, you know, like I turned over a rock and there was Mm -hmm. that big secret there that like anybody could have grabbed, but I grabbed it and I got it. And I just want to tell everybody and I just want to uh, just help everybody because I think it's just so awesome that, you know, our society and our culture has been pushing people in certain ways and it works for some people. But it doesn't work for everybody. And, you know, this has the possibility of working for a lot more people. And, you know, if we don't have our health, we've got nothing. Uh, And I've got to tell you, you know, uh, I'm 52. As I said, I weigh what I weigh when I was 19. I'm in, in excellent shape. And my perspective on life is very different to other people who are my age who have many health problems and weight problems and stuff like that. For me, I'm just starting. Mm-hmm. I mean, my father lived to 91. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to make it to 91 or plus. So I've got a long way to go. And mm-hmm. uh, I just got to watch out for, you know, self-driving cars. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, so the issue is that it changes everything. You know, you think, oh, well, I'll be in shape. I'll feel good. But suddenly your perspective on life changes and you just become more engaged and more uh, thirsty for life and for the things that it, that you can do. So that's, you know, that's really the big secret that I've found. And I just, I can't wait to get it out to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. All right, Paul, with a heavy heart, I have to share that we have come to the last portion of today's episode. This round is called the wisdom round, which is structured just like a rapid fire round. Uh, and this part is during which our action takers take notes and take action. So are you ready? I am. What is the best advice that you have ever received? I would say the best advice I ever received from uh, my father was actually seeing him. He was 91 years old, had multiple health problems, uh, multiple hospital stays. And he pushed himself through all of this and was able to get to Costa Rica for a month on his own to enjoy the warmth and enjoy his love of of the tropics. And that to me was a huge piece of advice, which is you're never too old or too sick to achieve your dreams. Keep dreaming, keep pushing, and there will be a little crack that will open up and just jump through it. Name a personal habit that contributes to your well-being. I would say probably the most important thing is going for a walk in the morning. And I have the pleasure of having dogs, so they help motivate me. But even if you don't, just go for a walk in the morning. And again, you know, that applies to the uh, to the commuting or if you work at home, just get outside and go for a walk a mile or two and you'll clear your mind. You'll breathe in fresh air and you'll plan your day and you'll be calm and you'll know what to do and then do that in the evening as well. Those two things, or that one thing, will make a huge difference in your life. Now, they say that what you do during the first few hours of your day determines how the rest of the day will go. So, do you have a morning ritual? And what's it like? I've told you part of the ritual, which is walking the dogs. Yeah. My life right now is is very rooted in um, having high schoolers. So, you know, first thing I, I do is when I get downstairs in the morning is I drink, you know, 16 to 20 ounces of water. I squeeze a little lemon in that kind of rehydrates me, gets me going. I make lunches for them, I drive them to school, all that sort of stuff. But then what I do is I come back home and I walk the dogs. 
And that gets me started. And I think about what I need to do. You know, I enjoy being out in the in the cold and the warm and the rain and the snow, whatever it is, uh, puts me more in touch with things. And uh, then I make sure that I eat a proper breakfast. Uh, you know, uh, losing weight and uh, being on a diet, so to speak, is not about depriving yourself. It's about eating properly and eating well. So I eat a breakfast that fills me up and that's healthy. And then I get going. So those are, you know, Right now, my life, I when they head off, all head off to college, I absolutely uh, plan on uh, revamping that and making it a little more adult friendly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, I'm sure you've read numerous books to get this far in life. But if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? This is probably a little off the wall. I would say The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And it's not for the reasons that are obvious. It's not about wealth. It's not about all of that. What Tim Ferriss does very well and, and does very well in this book is he challenges pretty much everybody's understanding of what life should be and how we should uh, be professionals and, and what we should expect from life. And I think a lot of these social norms imprison us. And I think what I got out of the book was just suddenly realizing that I didn't have to live my life that way, that I can reinvent my life and live the way I want to. For me, it was a catalyst to being able to imagine a different kind of life. And I found that so powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss as well. And listeners, Tim Ferriss says he talks about the Pareto principles, which means that of all the things that you're doing during the day, of all the 100 things that you're doing, only 20% of those things lead to 80% of the results. So why bother doing all the 100 when you can be more mindful and identify how you can be more effective, have more energy and do more. So thanks a lot for sharing, Paul. Action takers, if you could not take notes, you can also view some of the stuff discussed during the show by going to our website. That's my7chakras.com slash P-A-U-L. Paul. And when you get there, you can check out some of the other episodes as well. So, Paul, it was great having you on the show today. Before we leave you, tell us one thing that you are really grateful for and then tell us the best way we can find you. I am very grateful for my family and my health. Uh, I think those two things are, are extremely important. Having people that care about you and that you care about are a very important part of life. So I think uh, that's very good. And also our health. You know, without health, there's really not a lot you can do. So I'm very glad, uh, very happy that I've found that and grateful. So those are two things that I'm very grateful for. And get in touch with me. So uh, people can go to lhdiet.com. And I have a blog posts, I have videos, I have a podcast. I also have an email course that you can sign up for as well, which basically takes you through a kind of a thousand foot view of everything that I've learned over the last three years and tons of actionable tips that you can just take right away. I definitely uh, suggest people sign up for that. And if you go to lhdiet.com uh, and scroll down, you will see a couple of areas in which you can sign up for the online courses. So action takers, as you heard today, you don't really have to go on a strict diet. You don't really have to go to the gym all the time. Just by being more creative, more innovative, by being more mindful, you can lose weight on a consistent basis and keep the weight, feel much more happier and have a healthy, thriving family. So in case you want to know more, go to lhdiet.com. That's lh 
diet.com and there you can find more information so paul thank you so much for coming on our show today showing us that we can actually stay healthy without going to the gym or having a strict diet and taking us one step closer to a human revolution thank you very much you have a wonderful show so keep up the great work and i appreciate being on you are listening to my seven chakras Go to my sevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.